was 3D, but it was also like 2D at the same time. Yeah. Honestly, looking at the gameplay footage of it, it looks like it was a bitch to play. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Oh no. <laughs> Probably wasn't gonna be, the th- but it looked kind of cool. Yeah. It looked interesting. The problem. Yeah. The problem was though the game was made on a uh, a Mac. Yeah. And then ported over to the PC. Fine enough. It's when they tried to port it to the Saturn that things went to shit. Oh, no. Because the Saturn, basically the game was running at supposedly at like two frames per second. Yeah. So then Sega decides, okay, don't worry, we're going to help you out. And they bring in these um, third-party porters who, it was a studio known as Point of View. Yeah. And they were notable for their Saturn ports oh. at the time. Point of View, basically, what they presented to Chris Sen and Oliver Allen was essentially... 3D model of Sonic with a spear in the background on a checkerboard thing, and they were like, "Look what we did." <laughs> well, well, safe to say, Offer Allen and Chris Sen were not impressed. No, um, no. So. Hey guys, I'm Bill, also known as the Barbecue Games on Instagram, and I'm Alex, his sister, who brings only chaos. And together we are the Gaming and Collecting Podcast, a mostly video game-centered podcast. But half the time, we just talk about anime. And that collecting thing, well, that's mostly just a implication at best. So come along and enjoy us on this adventure. As we discuss the games that shaped us. So, how you been? I've been good. We just recorded a podcast. Yeah, we did. It was like an hour and a half. Yeah. It's a longie. It was. It was um, good. So we didn't really talk. There's also a dumb bitch in front of us now. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Don't punch me. No. Assault. I didn't even, t- assault. I didn't even touch he you. He gave up. <laughs> it was a tip. So, yeah, Tilly's we... looking at you with disappointment. <laughs> That's just her normal look. <laughs> Actually, she looks, like, tired. Yeah. Bye, sweet. So, going into it, we we kind of been talking... Well, I... What am I saying? <laughs> it's, it's a Sunday. It's late, people. Yes. Um, so, we this weekend's been pretty eventful, though. We didn't really talk about what we did much this weekend. Mm. We went to a, a show. Oh, yeah. Uh, we saw... On Friday, we saw... AFI. AFI. I was really tired. Because and I, I was also slept. really tired. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. Um, but it, they were so good. This is our third time seeing AFI. Yeah, second as they were the main act. Oh. But, um, yeah, we went all the way up to Boston, which I hate going to Boston, but it was yeah. worth it to we see We took AFI. the train, though, so and I think that was such a good idea. Yeah, um, that drive home, though, still was brutal. Especially because it was raining. Yeah, it was rain. It was downpouring. I had a massive like migraine. But it, they were so worth it to see. Mm. They great set list. Um, Just a great band in general. Great band. Um, it was it was fun to just get out and do something fun. Totally would recommend seeing them live. Davy is such a performer. Davy so. Davy is that whole band is unreal. Like, oh yeah. How tight and solid they are. Oh yeah. But um every song sounded like the record. Yeah. And the the whole audience got super into it. Even oh, besides yeah. the drunk girl. Yeah. We, we have we've noticed at concerts we have a weird tendency to to like attract the most fucking obnoxious yeah. fucking people. 
Also, like, I don't know, everyone can do them, but I'm like, if you record every single song at the concert, can you just, like, watch the concert and actually live through it? Like, I don't know, everyone's allowed to do them, but I'm just like, I'm just like, you know, one or two, I get it. But, well, like, I, I, every I, single song, I'm I like, was no kind one of... cares, no one's gonna watch your Snapchat story, no one's going to, I'm sorry. Your Instagram story, no one's gonna watch it. Maybe they'll watch one clip and then they'll be like, "Okay, I don't want to see fifty more of these." I always say, like, <laughs> you know, it's 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 your prerogative if you really want to watch a concert through your phone screen, yeah. but no one else does. <laughs> yeah, no one behind you does. They actually want to see the band. So I don't know. The hot take, hot take. I snapped, <laughs> I, <guess. laughs> I snapped one photo really quick and then put my phone away because I didn't want to be a jackass. I didn't use my phone the whole time because I was just like, I just was enjoying it well you had a better spot than i did like i swear like i constantly had somebody in front of me who was being obnoxious yeah couldn't win yeah but that's going to concerts in a club for you especially in a city where most people didn't have to drive after oh yeah there were some people who i'm like you've had a lot to drink sir yeah (laughs) you're gonna go throw up violently later oh yeah no yeah but but for the most part it was pretty simple day other than that we've hung out most other than that, I this almost cleaning. <laughs> yeah, I did a lot of cleaning because we got friends coming over. Yeah, don't want to look like pigs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's that. That's true. <laughs> but anyways, so moving on, we're going to actually be going back to gaming. I know we've been kind of on the what? anime. <laughs> this is the anime and manga podcast. <laughs> what are you talking about? We don't talk about gaming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so anyways, we're going to get back to talking about gaming. It's been, I mean, it hasn't been that long. I mean, we did GameCube not too long ago, but... Yeah. For uh, this episode, we're actually going to be talking about a pretty interesting... Um, topic. Pretty interesting topic in game. It's, it's a topic that fits all sorts of media, but gaming in particular is pretty fascinating. We're going to be talking about development hell, also known as development purgatory. Yes. Or development limbo. Or sometimes production hell. So, development hell is essentially a point where media and so- the software in- industry, f- like, basically, it- it's a kind of a jargon for, like, when a project, a concept, or an idea remains in development for an extraordinarily long time, moving between different crews, scripts, game engines, studios, before pr- progress progresses, if it ever does. Yeah. <laughs> That's the key there. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the main thing is like if it even progresses. And a lot of the times what causes development hell is like overly ambitious goals, sometimes not understanding like what the idea for a project is, mm-hmm. uh, constant delays, un, un, unreachable uh, goal, like production goals, like uh, set release dates, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of stuff that just piles on and leads to essentially a very miserable time for a game developer. Yeah. So, video game development hell in particular is pretty fascinating, and there's been a lot of stories over the years of games, like, of running jokes. Uh, There's one that we'll be getting to, which is pretty much the running joke of the industry. But, um, well, the first one I really wanted to talk about was um, Sonic the Hedgehog Extreme. And that one never came out, right? No. Sonic Extreme is the infamous canceled Sega Saturn Sonic game. Yeah. Uh, so Sonic Extreme's backstory is very tragic and very long. 
The game originally began development after the completion of Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Yep. As the next main Sonic game. Originally, it was start. It began development as a Genesis title. Uh, so at this point, Sonic Team was active in the U.S. under the name Sega Technical Institute. Yep. Uh, after the completion of Sonic 3 and Knuckles, the Japanese like half of Sega Technical Institute decided to move back to Japan. Leaving behind the American side of the Sega Technical Institute, who had yep. been known for making games like Comic Zone, The Ooze, Kid Chameleon, The Ooze, some pretty—I wouldn't say the greatest games ever, but they were very technologically advanced and pretty fascinating for the time. Right. So their idea was they were going to make the next Sonic game. Yep. So they they had a really hard time pitching what the next Sonic game was going to be. Like, there was a couple pitches, like, one of them was literally, like, this, like, side-scrolling, like, slow-paced, like, stealth game that was based around the, um, the Sad AM cartoon. Mm -hmm. Um, then there was also this, like, untitled, like, isometric-looking thing. Neither of these really went anywhere before eventually the team decided to shift over to the Sega 32X. Yep. With this interesting, like, 3D polygon heavy thing where like it looked kind of cool for 32x but it was going to be an ambitious project and sega finally gave the the problem was sega the technical institute kept sending the ideas to sega and sega would kind of be like no or no we're not really into that or no this is not where we want to go they weren't very helpful no <laughs> we'll just go with that finally they saw the 3d thing on the saturn at the time uh, not saturn the uh, the 32x known as at the time known as Sonic Mars, because the 32X's code name was Project Mars. Mm -hmm. uh, and basically they were like, yeah, that one, we really like that one, do that. Yep. And Yuji Naka, co-creator of Sonic, infamously made the comment to the development team basically saying, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Not having any hope in the project at all. Hell. So eventually they develop, development gets pretty far there, and then the team starts kind of falling apart. Uh, the main people leading the team left Sega Technical Institute, and they basically gave they gave the production of the uh, game to basically a couple like longtime members of Sega Technical Institute, but they were pretty new, never actually ran a game before, like directed a game before. Mm -hmm. And the project then moves over to the Sega Saturn, which because the 32X was being it wasn't gonna like, last. So let's yeah. just say Saturn was the future. Yeah. They so were just like we're already giving up on this. Why did we make it to begin? Yeah. So this is where there's there's a lot of different conflicting reports on what exactly happened here. But basically, the game was had two development teams because they decided to the team. So take it to Sega Technical Institute was already cut in half as it was. Yeah. The Japanese staff had went back to Japan. Yeah. So then they decided let's cut it in half again have one half work on the main gameplay levels and the other half work on the boss levels. Mm -hmm. So the main... We don't know much about the boss levels team. All we know is that they were being led by this really gifted programmer named Christina Coffin. Mm -hmm. We don't know much about what she was doing at this point other than that she was very gifted. Yeah. And her team... Her, there's not much known about her half of the game because not, there wasn't anything controversial with her half of the game. Oh, okay. The main half led by... Uh, the game's director, Chris Sen, and the main programmer, Offer Allen, uh, was the main gameplay levels, which used this really weird fisheye camera lens, and it was kind of like, it, it would, the levels were kind of like three, like, spherical, and you'd kind of like go through them, 
you could go in and out. It was 3D, but it was also like 2D at the same time. Yeah. Honestly, looking at the gameplay footage of it, it looks like it was a bitch to play. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Oh, no. <laughs> Probably wasn't going to be the... But it looked kind of cool. Yeah. It looked interesting. The problem... Yeah. The problem was, though, the game was made on a, uh, a Mac. Yeah. And then ported over to the PC. Oh. Fine enough. It's when they tried to port it to the Saturn that things went to shit. Oh, no. Because the Saturn... Basically, the game was running at supposedly at like two frames per second. Yeah. So then Sega decides, okay, don't worry. We're going to help you out. And they bring in these um, third-party porters who... It was a studio known as Point of View. Yep. And they were notable for their Saturn ports oh, at the okay. time. Point of View, basically, what they presented to Chris Sen and Offer Allen was essentially a 3D model of Sonic with a spear in the background on a checkerboard thing. And they were like, look what we did. <laughs> well, safe to say Offer Allen and Chris Sen were not impressed. No, <laughs> um, no. So basically, Point of View takes over the main porting of this, the, their version of the game. Mm-hmm. And then Chris Sen and Offer Allen then decide to start a third team. And they're deciding they're going to do it themselves. Oh, no. And then this is where things get really confusing. Yeah. So apparently <laughs> pr- the production meeting for the game is going on and the big wigs from Sega show up and apparently Chris Sen and Offer Allen actually got the game working on Saturn like very well. Oh. Unfortunately they were a few minutes too late because mm. Point of View had already done their presentation with their glitchy buggy not working oh, port. No. And basically the t- big wigs from Sega had enough and they weren't going to let them see it so they basically their basically words were they looked at the boss engine saw it was working fine yeah. and then they basically said make the entire game like that oh so then keep in mind this game had to be out by like christmas mm. <laughs> a deadline that was already like they had lost so much yeah because keep in mind the game they had already scrapped like five builds at this point oh my god and the, the <laughs> it was bad so basically then at this point this, the team is working themselves basically sick. Chris Sen ended up having to stop working because he was violently ill. Oh, my God. And the team was basically left to... Christina Coffin had to basically rebuild the entire game from scratch using her engine. Oh, my God. And it actually got pretty interesting. Like, there's, there was... A, there's not a lot known about it, but there was... Her version of the game was known as Project Condor. And there is some screenshots of it that look kind of cool. The problem is, though, she overworked herself so hard that she actually ended up getting ammonia. Oh my god! And almost died. Like basically, oh the doctors god. doctors told her, "Stop, yeah. you're going to kill yourself." So basically, it got to the point where they basically said, "It's not coming out in time," and the yeah. game was quietly canceled. Oh my god! To the to the ire of Chris Sen, who has always been kind of a strong supporter of trying to get this game finished, because they tried to release it on PC at one point too, just to save it and to say it rejected yeah. it. But yeah, like. What ended up happening too was they had to get something out for the Saturn with Sonic, so they ended up just giving, a, making a slapdash port of Sonic 3D Blast for the Saturn. Oh wow! Yeah, it was pretty tragic. Not great. And it's the re- main reason why there was wasn't a uh, 3D Sonic game on the Saturn. <laughs> there was also a point where, like, to help ease with production, they brought in uh, the Knights engine. Yeah. But apparently they didn't ask Yuji Naka to use his engine. Oh. So he threatened to quit Sega if they used it. <laughs> oh. 
So then they decided, okay, all that work you did with the Knights engine, you have to scrap. Oh my god. It just seems like there's too many cooks in the kitchen. No, it was, it was a p- very poorly yeah. managed thing. It's one of the most tragic things in Tales of Development. Yeah. Hall. And this one never came out. No. Like, this game straight up... Doesn't exist. There is a lot of... Like, you can look up comprehensive backgrounds like of like everything that went into this game, and it is nuts. Like, yeah. just how insane... It ended up being. But now let's um, we're gonna uh, go a bit more, not as tragic because this <laughs> this next one actually did come out. Um, we're by the way we're sa- we know which one everyone's thinking. We're saving that for last. Yeah, <laughs> we're saving that one <laughs> we're for last. We're saving that one for the end. Um, it's too funny. <laughs> so, here's one that did end up coming out, and it one of the weirdest like surprises I think we've ever had for a game. Mm-hmm. So. The next uh, game development hell I want to talk about is Metroid Dread. Okay. So Metroid Dread is a fun one. Uh, it was originally intended to be a sequel to Metroid Fusion, the 2002 GBA game, mm. which at the time was also canonically the final game in the series from a canon standpoint. Mm. Not from games, obviously. There's been more since, but it was the end of the timeline. Mm. Originally, it began development, um, but was stopped due to hardware limits limitations because the original attempt was going to be made in 2005 for the ds oh which and it was going to be another 2d metroid because at the time we also had 3d metroids with the prime series yeah and there was kind of a there was a fight going on essentially with where they wanted to go um and essentially the the ds the ds game essentially kind of was it was a people knew about it yeah but we really didn't know anything about it other than that... That it was a Metroid game on It was going to be another 2D Metroid game on the DS and a follow-up to Fusion. Yeah. Unfortunately, it kind of just disappeared due to the hardware limitations of the DS because the team wanted to do more. Oh, okay. So then there was a second prototype shown around 2009 behind closed doors. This apparently never was shown the light of day, and it apparently did not meet um, series... Uh, basically the director of Metroid, uh, Yoshio Sakamoto. Mm-hmm. It didn't meet his standards, so it was um, halted in 2010. Huh. Uh, and they actually denied the existence of Dread around this point, too. Like, oh, they were really? claiming it doesn't exist. They were like, no, no, it's not real. <laughs> yeah. So then, that was literally it for years. Oh, like, wow. We didn't hear any... So 2010 was like the last time anyone really thought about Dread, despite... Yeah. Apparently in Metroid Prime 3, there's actually a quote that references Dread at one point. <laughs> like, the Metroid Dread will be coming or something like that. Oh, wow. Which is kind of cool. But yep. at the same time, there was nothing. Then the Metroid series goes through this really weird period where Other M comes out and it's very not well-liked. And the series kind of halts indefinitely. Yep. And then we get a remake of Metroid 2, co-developed by a, a, t- a studio called Mercury Stream. Mm-hmm. Or Mercury Steam. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, during the Switch, just Metroid Dread. <laughs> it was back. It was, uh, it's here. With Mercury Steam uh, assisting in development. And it was a full-on 2D Metroid game, and it was literally exactly what fans had wanted. Like it was, But it was now on HD on the Switch. Wow. Fi- and they finally went past uh, Metroid Fusion. Wow. What's funny, though, is this game came out of nowhere. Because most fans were expecting... Metroid Prime 4. Yeah. Which, to this day, is still in development hell, and we don't know what's going on oh, with it. Oh, wow. So, just a quick... 
we don't know enough about Metroid Prime 4 to really even talk about it. Yeah. But I will say, it was announced um, to be in development, and initially they didn't say who was making it, because it initially wasn't being made by original uh, Prime creator Retro Studios. Mm-hmm. And then essentially, the game, we stopped hearing about it. It was implied that Bandai Namco was making it, and yeah. then... At one point, I guess Nintendo just said we're unhappy with the results, and then they just scrapped everything and gave the game to Retro Studios and said, you guys make it. And we haven't heard anything since. Like, I don't even know if the game's still in development. Oh my god. It's bizarre. But yeah, that's a footnote. But what's funny is Metroid Dread comes out of nowhere. Mm. Like, She's like, hey, remember me? But that's a successful stale of of, um, development hell, where the game comes out and ends up exceeding expectations because no one really had any expectations oh yeah that's crazy so uh, here's another short one that's kind of like interesting is kirby's return to dreamland Mm. which was the wii return to form entry in the series okay so this one literally we didn't know at the time but this one like began development in 2000 immediately following kirby 64 crystal shards uh, but it was not revealed till around 2005. What? And it, it was initially shown as a demo. It was shown a bunch of, of a long. It was alongside a bunch of uh, demo games, and it was like this. Like it was originally gonna be a GameCube game, and it was kind of. It had that same 3D art style yeah. that 64 had, only it was using GameCube uh, hmm. technology. But there was development issues, and they essentially canceled it quietly in the background oh no until around like 2011 where the game suddenly comes back on the wii oh and they followed the super mario brothers um the new super mario Bros. method and had it be a four-player co-op game oh okay i'm not sure if it's really the same game because i'm pretty sure the original version was fully canceled they just made a new game later. oh really yeah oh. so this one's a bit of a stretch yeah but since then like the kirby series has been uh, apparently, some of the other scrapped like Kirby games that were shown about that period were later revisited as Kirby Star Allies and then the 3D Kirby in the Forgotten Lands. Huh. So, Nintendo always seems to bring these back. <laughs> Nintendo has a very good filing system. Yeah, <laughs> Whatever hard drives they use to keep all this content, like it's interesting how they just keep everything in the back. Yeah. Uh, back burner because you never know you might be able to use it again or at least the concepts it's Mm. actually kind of cool when you think about it it is um so nothing ever i wonder how many things are like to me i wonder like how many things are like hidden in their filing cabinet like all these all these different companies because i'm sure there's like so many that we just never even heard of that there is a lot of canceled video games out there in the world yeah it'd be interesting to see like if you had an inside scoop or something Mm. That's cool. I, I find that interesting. Like Mario 128, the tech, the tech demo that later supposedly became Pikmin. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so to wrap, now we're going to do one more Nintendo one before we move on to some other famous ones. Yeah. The, the, the tragic yet also successful tale of Mother 3. So Mother Mother Three is the third and final game in the Mother series, known over here as Earthbound. Yeah. And it was um, the sequel to the 1994 Super Famicom game Mother Two. Mm-hmm. So Mother Three. So the Mother series is interesting because it's entirely. It is the brainchild of um, creator. Uh, uh, 
Shigesato Itoi. Yep. And it's like literally the only games he's he's more of a writer or a publisher, I guess. It's, oh, interesting. Like he's he does more writing stuff. He's the only video games he's ever done are the Mother series, and um, this weird fishing game on the NES. Yeah. The, don't <laughs> it, the Mother games have like interesting stories? Though? They're very dark and very yeah. compulsive. It was kind of like Persona before Persona in a way because it took place in a real world. Uh, a lot of them are based off of just things from Itoi's life. Yeah, wow. Like a lot of events, like tr- a lot of tragic things and stuff. Uh, th- it's a really fascinating series in itself. And honestly, the series the series as a whole has always been known for development hell. Mm. Like, Mother 2 itself almost didn't happen because... Basically, this uh, Mother 2 wasn't a big development hell, but it was essentially... They were struggling to develop the game. Yeah. And they ended up hiring HAL Laboratories and their lead programmer... A, a then a very young programmer named Satoru Iwata, <laughs> a very very you know later the president of Nintendo, like yeah. one of the most well liked people in the video game industry. Yeah, uh, master programmer though, he basically came in and was like, "All right, if we continue this way, this game's gonna take forever to finish, yeah. or I can restart from scratch and uh, get it done in a year." And he reprogrammed the game by himself basically in a year. Wow. The dude was on another level. Yeah. Like, he was one of the greatest programmers there ever was. But, yeah, so, but going on to Mother 3 now. So, Mother 3 was originally announced, well, originally it was intended to be another Super Nintendo RPG. Oh, really? But (laughs) the N64 got announced, and they decided to move. Basically, inspired by Super Mario 64, the team decided to create a 3D game. Uh, and it was, there actually is a trailer for it that looked fucking amazing. Oh, really? Because keep in mind, the N64 had, like, four RPGs that really mattered. Yeah. Well, actually, it's more like two RPGs. Mm. Excuse me. Two RPGs that really mattered. But, yeah, so, the game started development. Originally, it was going to be a t- the flagship title of the N64 DD disc, yep. disc drive that was a colossal failure. Oh, no. And they ended up shifting to cartridge media. Yeah. And I just think it was too ambitious to work on the N64, so the game was quietly canceled. Quietly. You can find that... It's in the filing cabinet. It's in the Nintendo filing cabinet I, I would of trash love, games. I would love to see the tech demo of Mother th- Mother 3 for the N64, also known as Earthbound 64. Mm. Oh, interesting. Um, I'd love to see that because the trailer for it is so freaking good. Wow. Like, it has some show re- me after this. really impressive stuff. But so the game was just kind of quietly canceled, and then um, out of nowhere, after um, so unfortunately the Mother series, other than er, the original Earth, well Earthbound, and then we did eventually get Mother One later on as Earthbound Beginnings. Yeah. The series has had a very hard time coming over to the U.S. Yeah. Um, and there was a so there was a Japan only port of Mother One and Two for the um, Game Boy Advance called Mother 1 Plus 2. Huh. And basically what happened was at the end of that game, there was actually an ad for um, Mother 3. Mother 3 at the end. Huh. Basically bringing the game back into the spotlight. Yeah. yeah but now the game was had shifted from the N64 to the Game Boy, Boy Advance. Advanced. Which... Let's be fair, it was probably going to be easier on the team, because this team had a hard time making games, apparently. Yeah, wow. 
Well, I think Itoi was just such a perfectionist, like an, an artist, like he couldn't really... He had a hard time really envisioning the... T- t- putting his idea into game. Yeah. But Mother 3 eventually does come out on the GBA. Unfortunately, to this day, it is yet to see a release outside of Japan. Oh, really? There is... I mean, there's fan translation. So Mother 3 does exist, but not... Yes. There's Mother no 3, American version. Mother 3 is arguably the best game in the series. Wow. In a lot of ways. Because I have played it, because I've played the... Uh, I have a ROM cart of the uh, the Japanese version, mm-hmm. well, of the uh, the translation. It is a phenomenal RPG. Such wow. a heart wrenching story, mm. but it's like a lot of people I've talked to, like who can't get into the Mother series, they'll play three, and three is the one for them. Yeah, huh. but that's a cool. That's honestly probably the most fascinating Nintendo tale, just because it. The game that we thought we were gonna get didn't was forever is trapped in development yeah but we did eventually get his idea just as another game and what a game it was yeah um but anyways guys before we move on to some more uh, tales of development hell we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back She's going to beat the crap Ow. out of you now. <laughs> you, you deserve that. I think that. she stepped on my hair. Ow. Or she bit my hair. You deserve every part of that. <laughs> no. No, look, she's here to see you. Give her a smooch. Alright. Give her a smooch. Well. Give her one. Hello, Miss Till. But anyways, so, continuing on with development hell. Yes, what an S- intro. Yeah. <laughs> So, there's been a lot of other games that have kind of just existed over the years. Like, there was supposed to be a Castlevania game on the Dreamcast called Castlevania Resurrection. That completely just didn't happen. Um, I think a part of it had to do with just the fact that the Dreamcast did also didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Dreamcast had failed. Um, a lot of times, too, like, games don't even really get, like... Um, Kill, they, they don't even get killed off because they were bad. It was more like the company just like freaking screwed them over. Like a famous one was like Silent Hills, mm. where it was the long awaited next entry in the Silent Hill franchise that was, mm. uh, it was the one that was famously uh, introduced with that playable teaser known as PT. Yeah. That was super popular. And then Konami had the falling out with uh, Hideo Kojima. Yeah. And they just canceled the entire project. Despite how acclaimed it was being, we don't know the specifics of what really happened in the background, but basically, that was gone forever. Yeah. But there's some small, minor ones like that. So going into some more well-known ones, another famous one. Um, well, actually, another smaller one. Diablo three, believe it or not, went through some pretty big development. Huh? Oh, really? Yeah, like. Is that the one we're playing? Yes, we're playing currently. Okay. So it began development around 2000. Oh, wow. Uh, and it continued... And it was, it started development at Blizzard North yep. and continued until the studio closed in 2005. Oh. An entirely new development began in 2006. The game didn't release until 2012. Wow. 
That one's but not. It probably was because like it's a, it was a whole new team that never worked. Yeah. With Dillon, it was just so it, it was a lot of learning curve. That one's only really that's a case of it just took a really long time. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of crazy shit that happened with yeah. that one. Um. Another interesting one was Final Fantasy 15. Hmm. So Final Fantasy 15 was originally announced as a game called Final Fantasy Versus 13. Oh. Yeah. I, I still don't understand that title. What? But it was a spin-off of Final Fantasy thirteen. Yep. Uh, and it was exclu- going to be exclusively for the PlayStation 3. Oh. Uh, and it, basically, it was announced and it was going to be this, like... Rather than a turn-based RPG like thirteen was, it was going to be more of an action RPG similar to Kingdom Hearts. Oh, okay. And it was going to feature more of a realistic world oh. kind of thing. But it was going to take place in the same kind of universe as Thirteen, with like the whole fab. It, it was it was a, a combined series of games known as the Fabula Nova Crystals or Crystallis. Oh, okay. And they all they they were separate stories, but they all featured a similar theme and like world kind of style. Yep. So Versus Thirteen was announced way back in two thousand six. Oh wow! Like this game was announced and. We, we would only occasionally see, like, glimpses of it. There was a lot of games announced for the Fabula Nova Crystallis. Yeah. Like, there was a PSP spin-offs, like, 13 and Did three. any of these happen? Yeah, most of them did. Oh, okay. It uh, was just this one. So this one did happen. Oh, it did? Yeah, because oh. you, you notice it's Final Fantasy fifteen. Oh, whoopsie. So we go down the line, and, like, it, it kind of, like, was just a thing that, like, uh, Tetsuo Nomura, the director of it, would occasionally pop up and be like, "Yeah, it's still in development. Don't worry. Hmm. I gotta finish Kingdom Hearts three first. Another game that was in development hell for years. Yeah, that one was more just it took forever. But hmm. then this one just comes out of nowhere one day that like Square has a big announcement, and then they're showcasing finally us like what like we're like oh th- versus thirteen. Forgot about this one. Like hmm. it still looks pretty good." Oh, and I guess it's going to be on PS4, Xbox One now. That's cool. And then they cut to the tr- cut to the um, the title screen. Like they show the logo they made for the game, and then all of a sudden it just it, rather than Versus Thirteen, it's like Final Fantasy Fifteen, and it's like, oh, it's the next. I guess it's the next mainline entry now. Hmm. Um, it, it was interesting, and it did eventually come out to pretty decent. Um, Reviews. They changed a lot to make it more of a standalone yeah. game, separate from the thirteen stuff. Yeah. I think honestly, I think they just wanted to drop the thirteen name because the thirteen had a lot of bad stigma around it. <laughs> that one was kind of cool. Like, I, I mean, I'm just glad it came out, even though it took fucking forever. Yeah. Was there a Final Fantasy fourteen? Fourteen was the second MMO. Oh, okay. Um, it, it kind of happened in the middle of all this. Yeah, that's what I was like wondering. I was like, huh. Um, so moving on, there was a few others, like, I mean, Half-Life 2, Episode 3, we still have yet to see. I don't, honestly, I don't think that's ever coming out, but... Hey, you never know. <laughs> it may take That years. one's considered vaporware. Oh. Where it's... So essentially... What does vaporware mean? Vaporware is, it's a thing that exists, but, like, there's really nothing... To it. ...going on with it. Oh, it's, okay. It's not, it has not been officially canceled, but it hasn't really been... Nothing's really said about it. It, it exists, and that's what all we know. What if they just forgot? <laughs> so apparently Valve just gave up on the episodic format entirely. Oh. And they've since... like Half-Life 3 is the running joke of, the, of like video games where everyone's like, 
Valve doesn't know how to count past two. Because <laughs> you you look at Valve series and all of them literally get to two and then they make something else. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, but that one's pretty well known. Um, I guess we might as well get to the big one, <laughs> the one that everyone wants to hear about. Yeah. The most famous game to ever get, receive the tag de- of development hell is none other than Duke Nukem Forever. You know, one of the most ironic titles of all time, by the way. Yeah. Which is funny because apparently the title Duke Nukem Forever was actually unveiled before the game itself was. Oh, no. <laughs> like, I guess he, the creator of Duke Nukem, uh, well, the co-owner of 3D Realms, the studio making Duke Nukem Forever, George Bassard, just really wanted to make a game called Duke Nukem Forever. <laughs> and the development of Duke Nukem Forever is insane yeah so the game started development in 1996 yeah and it was basically implied to be a follow-up to duke nukem 3d which was the series most well-known entry at the time well it was it was probably one of the biggest fps's of that time Mm -hmm. what's hilarious is in the span between when the game started development and when it eventually released yep because this game did release. Oh, okay. Um, despite the jokes, <laughs> there was actually like I think like five or six spin-off games released in between. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, made, they had to keep the hype. Made by other teams. Well, they were released as holdovers, <laughs> so that fans wouldn't be would would have something to play while they were waiting for this highly anticipated game. Yeah. So. Can I just ask? Was this a shit game? Depends who you ask. Okay. <laughs> So the game started development at 3D Realms, creators of Duke Nukem. Yep. And the game began development using... So here's the thing. George Bassard, he's an extreme perfectionist, and he was always trying to make the game better. Ah. So the game from 97 to 98 was originally developed on the Quake 2 engine. Yep. Um, And there was... So the original Duke Nukem was built on an engine called the Build Engine. Yep. And the build engine wasn't a 3D engine, but it was it used very clever graphical techniques to look to appear as if it was 3D. Yeah. It was a cool cool technology for the time. Right. The Quake 2 engine is a full-on 3D engine, a very impressive engine for the time. Hmm. So development started on the Quake 2 engine and basically they had to start they had to learn how to actually develop games <laughs> using this engine because it was very different from the build engine. Yeah. At the time. And at the same time, too, publisher GT Interactive is very aggressively kind of like, we need updates, guys. You can't just not... Yeah, you gotta say, you gotta say something. ...release this game. Um, eventually, 3D Realms does unveil at the 1998 E3 a showcase of this game using this engine. Mm-hmm. And people were pretty um, happy with how it looked. But the George Facade was not happy with the progress. Oh, so then, cut to 1998, the game decides to shift development from the Quake 2 engine to the Unreal Engine, which was Epic Games' game engine at the time, used to power, like... At the time, it was used to power Unreal Tournament, which was yep. another very acclaimed first-person shooter. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, the Unreal Engine is an ongoing game engine that's used for multiple different projects. Wow. But the Unreal Engine was significantly more powerful than the, um... Than the, uh... The Quake 2 engine. Yep. And keep in mind, we're at 1998 now. The game started in 96. It should have been out by now. Yeah. 
So now, basically, they've moved on because they wanted a more realistic experience. Um, they went through a couple of phases, changed a lot of things over, changed a bunch of staff, a um, bunch of added missions, <laughs> constantly like giving out like updates that this game's going to be the greatest thing ever. Um, it, the and the biggest problem with why it took so long was George Broussard constantly was adding new ideas. Oh wow! The guy could not stop. My goodness. Um, and it got to a point where they finally two thousand one showcase um, the new engine now. So this was after uh, Infogrames Entertainment had purchased GT Interactive. So now they currently own the rights to. Uh, So because so okay so this this work gets confusing. Okay. Infogrames bought GT Interactive, who was the publisher of Duke Nukem at the time. Yep. The publishing rights for Duke Nukem Forever got passed over to the Gathering of Developers, which was an entity of different developers. Oh. Okay. At the time, following the the because when Infogrames bought out GT, it kind of canceled out the uh, contract there. Oh okay. So the Gathering of Developers eventually kind of folded and got absorbed into Take Two Interactive, who. Mm-hmm. Take-Two Interactive owns Rockstar Games and um, 2K Games. Ah, okay. So Take-Two kind of basically restructured, basically they, they inherited 2K Oh, no. At this point. 2001 shows up and we get another trailer of um, <laughs> Duke Nukem. This one looks even more impressive. For the oh, time. okay. Pre-orders actually did go up and some guy pre-ordered the game. Oh. They and never got it, I'm assuming? Well, no, no, no. We'll get to that later. Okay. Um... <laughs> Then the game kind of disappears for a while. Oh. Bet that guy was pissed. No, 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 no. no. We'll (laughs) We'll get to him. Um, 2003 to 2006, the game went through massive conflicts between 3D Realms and Take-Two Interactive. Because Take-Two was like, what the fuck, guys? Yeah. It's it's been how many years and you're still not out? It's like people... Keep in mind, at this point, Duke Nukem was one of the top first-person shooters at the time. There's already been, like, five games released in this time period, including one uh, that was actually supposed to be a prologue to Duke Nukem Forever. Oh, no. um, For a build that no longer was around. Yeah. So, at this point, Take-Two is like, what the fuck, guys? Like, literally, Duke Nukem isn't even, like, the most famous FPS anymore. Now we got Halo, we got Half-Life, we've got... Unreal, like all these other games, which have blown it out of the water. Like you've really got to get this thing out. Yeah. Uh, and there was a ton of fights. Like really, no product, no real production really happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, there was thought at one point they wanted to move over to the Doom Three engine, uh, which, <laughs> of course, changing game engines again. No god. But that apparently, that supposedly I'm not sure happened. Mm. Uh, and it got to the point where George Broussard basically made the point of. When it's done, it'll be out when it's done. It'll be it'll be done when it's done, and you'll wait as long as you need. And there was a ton of like employee. They were going through so many employees by this point. Oh, I'm sure it must have right. been like so, such a toxic work environment at that point. Yep. So then we get to 2007 to 2009. This shit is still going. On. So this is the yeah. final year. So this this was announced in 1996 as a follow up to Duke Nukem. So 3D. now we're at how many? So now we're in two thousand seven. So <laughs> we're at eight years now. We're at eight years. Yeah. Wow. So two thousand seven to two thousand nine. So so this is around going to be around ten years of development. Yeah. 
there's more str- basically people at 3D realms are getting stressed like strained to the limit the whole company's kind of falling apart at this point because they literally funneled all their money into releasing to making this one game that just isn't coming out uh, 2007, they ended up releasing a trailer, showcase some graphics. The game is now HD all of a sudden. Because oh. we, we keep in mind, this was originally started on Quake 2 technology. Now we're into, like, next-gen HD technology with the Unreal Engine. This is crazy. It keeps going, too. It keeps going? And when it, does it, it got... finally come out? We're getting there. You said it exists. I don't it does believe exist. you. I, th- I think it's a figment of your imagination. No, no, no. It does come out. Oh, it, gets, it gets crazier. So eventually, at this point, Take-Two eventually sues 3D Realms. because, what? Well, because they, they broke in their contract how many oh. times? Like, the game was supposed... How much money has Take-Two funneled into this thing that's oh still not out? Yeah. All right, um, fair, fair. So basically, during the, this point, all the, uh, the lawsuits, eventually in 2009, development gets suspended. Oh, damn. Between 2009 and 2010... 3D Realms goes through massive layoffs. The entire Duke Nukem Forever staff got laid off in 2009. Wow. And it more lawsuits happened. 3D Realms, between 3D Realms Take 2, for the failure of... Basically, it was for the failure to complete Duke Nukem Forever, citing $12 million of paid damages uh, to be paid to Infogrames, of all people, for publishing mm-hmm. rights, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, there was restraining orders put out. Oh, my God. It was bad. So then, then things get interesting. So, you remember how I said 2009, the entire Duke Nukem Forever team got laid off from Game yeah. Realms? Well, the game was mostly done. Like, it was about, like, 70, like, almost 80. It was almost there. It was, like, 80% complete. So, the team that, basically, the remains of 3D, the team behind it, later went on to form a studio called Triptech Games. Oh, okay. A fully independent studio. And... They were housed at the same studio as Gearbox uh, Software, yeah. who was famous for like doing like Bulletstorm and uh, Borderlands. Borderlands yeah. is their biggest game. Oh, okay. So, Gearbox, they ended up being in the same building as Gearbox, and they kind of slowly, quietly, kind of just continued to develop the game. Mm. Behind, no, no one knew about this. Everyone thought it was dead at this point. Oh. Um, so. After 3D Realms eventually uh, ceased uh, internal game development at the time, they actually approached um, Gearbox and asked if Gearbox would help Triptech finish the game. Mm. Um, to which... So apparently the CEO of uh, Gearbox, Randy Pitchford, actually worked on th- Duke Nukem 3D very briefly at one oh, point. Oh, really? So it was kind of like... He had, the, he had this thought of, like, we can't let Duke die. Yeah. <laughs> so... They ended up picking up the game, and they got provide they got help funding it via Two um, K Games, uh, which is owned by Take Two. Yeah. And essentially, Triptech and Gearbox finished it up. Triptech yeah. did most of the work. Gearbox kind of polished it together and finished, cleaned everything up. Yeah. And then they hired Piranha Games to port it to um, three sixty and uh, PS three, hmm. and add some multiplayer to help raise sales. Yeah. So they basically all four of well, 3D Realms is basically out of the picture by this point. They they did most of the work. Yeah. Uh, Trip Tech. They're gone at this point. Yeah, they're 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 completely out of the like George Bizarre gone. They basically Trip Tech, Gearbox, and Prana finished it up. Yeah. It got delayed one more time. Believe, oh God. Believe it or not, but the game eventually did release in 2011. Oh my God. 
Um, and it, at time, so the for a long time, it held the record for um, the longest um, period of development. So tw- 14 years, 43 days. Oh my god. It has since been exceeded by, um, in 2022, by Beyond Good and Evil 2. Which, which is another game that's still currently in development. Oh my god! Uh, that one I don't know as much about because that one hasn't been nearly as covered. Talked about, yeah. Like the, the press co- covered this game for how ridiculous it was. Oh my god! Uh, fun fact: that guy who pre-ordered it did actually get the game with like a whole special bonus package. Oh and everything. really? Okay, yeah. good. Because that's so that would be <laughs> he so did, horrible. He I did get so the game eventually. Um, so, Duke Nukem 3D is pretty interesting because the game got trashed by critics. Yeah. Oh, it did? Oh. Yeah, well, but here's the thing. Duke Nukem fans who played it... Loved it. Loved it. Because oh, it was okay. literally the game... If you, game went into the ga- if you went into the game expecting a sequel to Duke Nukem 3D, it's exactly what it was. Yeah. The problem is the game started development in 96. Yeah. So many other games had come out by then and like the ideas behind Duke Nukem weren't popular anymore. Yeah. Also, like, the sense of humor... Because Duke Nukem was known for raunchy, very fucked-up humor. Yeah. That was all no longer... That wasn't really funny anymore. <laughs> that yeah. was the thing. It too. wasn't really okay anymore. I mean, I personally still found it funny because I just like Duke Nukem. Like, I enjoyed Duke Nukem forever because yeah. it was literally exactly what they promised. <laughs> like, it, people who thought it was going to be, like, a masterpiece, like, groundbreaking game where I'm like, really? Yeah. I'm like, this is going to be... See the- development help for this <laughs> did you what yeah 14 years it, it's been in development for how many years yeah but the game itself got a lot of the crit- it, it wasn't even that the game was really bad because it's fine uh, it was mostly at the dated design and the quote-unquote offensive humor which i mean it's like you're playing a duke nukem game what did you expect yeah I mean, like, yeah it's a, <laughs> yeah it's offensive but i mean it was offensive in nine in night in the 90s <laughs> i mean yeah. The times change, that's all I can say. But it did come out. Yeah. And now the running joke is it's not even like that game anymore. They took forever. Oh my god. It's a funny tale though of just like Development Hell is fascinating. Oh yeah. Like cuz it's a lot of times it's egos and just egomaniacs that No, a lot of the times it isn't even related necessarily to like the games itself it's more just it's the people behind them yeah. and the, like unreal expectations constant <laughs> developer change just <laughs> well i mean there's like that big joke of like that yandere simulator oh yeah game that's that's that, a... like i don't even think it's to this day i don't even think it's out and it's been how many years and like it, it, the funniest part about that is that he literally had a company willing to finish willing it to for help him. him, and like he was just such a pain in the ass to work with that they it just didn't like they were like all right never mind. He bye. also he also couldn't take criticism at oh all. Oh my god, and I think that's a big thing too is the criticism aspect, because um, he's an indie developer. I mean, well, I actually read a funny post. And I'm like, does it even count as development hell? Because it doesn't even seem like it's being developed. <laughs> Not anymore, anyways. No. Oh, did they? Did he cancel it finally? I don't know. <laughs> I stopped caring. I don't know. That game looked like shit to me to begin with. It, yeah, it did. But that's kind of what was funny about it. was because, like, you knew it was going to be a piece of shit, but, like, he was making it seem like it was this golden goose egg, and it was just, no, it's just a turd, dude. It's just a goose turd. It's yeah. not the egg, it's a turd. I mean, in a lot of ways, like, there's, there's a lot of games that kind of, like... 
See, development hell's funny because a lot of games go through it. Oh, yeah. But not all of them get the, the fucking attention that, like, Duke Nukem Forever oh, yeah. does. Like, it's just crazy how many years, like... I mean, it, even, like, development hell doesn't have to take forever. Like, sometimes a game can go through, like, a fucking disastrous development and come out and, like... I was born the year Duke Nukem started. Yeah, Duke Nukem started. <laughs> but um, it's funny because then there's also like, the, your cat's being a psychopath yeah, over there. She does that sometimes. But um, there's other games like Spyro Enter the Dragonfly that was like that game came out when it was supposed to, but it was a freaking dumpster fire because development was so insane. Yeah. Or Sonic 06, another game that had a <laughs> freaking shit development cycle. <laughs> It's not, but the funniest one, like, stuff like Duke Nukem and, like, Metroid Dread or, like, Mother 3 are, like, the ones that fascinate me the most. Because there's so much what could have been. Mm. Like, honestly, I really wish that 2001 build of Duke Nukem Forever came out because that game looked awesome. Yeah. Like, I honestly think that should have been the version because I feel like it would have been so much better received. Mm. That's the problem, though. It's just hindsight's twenty twenty in a lot oh, of ways. Oh, yeah. But yeah, this is a this is a bit of a quick kind of like rundown of it's, development hell. And, it was um, interesting to talk about though because I feel like there's a lot that enter you know development hell and you wouldn't really know. Like I'd never heard that story because Duke Nukem isn't a game that I would play. No. Um. So I never knew anything about this and like what a tale. Like. <laughs> like there, there's definitely better people. There's definitely better explanations of it out there. Like I'd say the one I'd recommend anyone to check out is uh. Look up uh, Matt McMuscles, his uh, video, uh, his What Happened series. He did a whole episode on um, Duke Nukem Forever that is very comprehensive and very explanatory. Expl- ex- explains the story very yeah. well. Um, it, it's a ri- It's definitely a ride. That's what I'll say. Wow. But, um, yeah, so uh, before we wrap this one up, though, I do want to announce that uh, our next episode... <laughs> as Alex is... Sprinted up the stairs. <laughs> that was, but anyways, I can't wait to listen back to hear all that shit in the background. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but anyways, guys, um, our next episode is actually our 100th episode, Jeez. and we're gonna be doing a special uh, Q and A. So I'll be sending out a message. Probably I'll probably have already sent this message out way before this actually airs. But yeah. Um, any questions? Just submit them. We'll 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 do a post on Twitter, Instagram, all the all the stuff. Yeah. Uh, Discord and just uh, post your questions and we'll try and fit them in the episode. Yeah. Even though I feel like it'll already be recorded by the time this comes yeah, out. Yeah, probably. But anyways, <laughs> guys, once again, thanks for joining us. Uh, the Gaming and Collecting Podcast. You can find it on all the major podcasting platforms, particularly Apple Podcast and Spotify. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Good Pods. If Twitter still exists by that point, uh, who knows? Yeah. But anyways, um, anyways, guys, we will see you all next time. And thanks again for watching.